to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, the podcast where we chat with athletes, coaches and industry professionals about the benefits of being involved in sport beyond performance. Today's guest is Australian swimmer Mitch Pratt. Mitch competed for Australia in multiple international competitions, including the 2014 Commonwealth Games. He takes us on his journey to becoming a high-performance athlete and the lessons he has learnt along the way. So Mitch, what's your sporting journey? My sporting journey is one through the life of a swimmer. I started swimming through Learn to Swim at King's uh, when I was three, mum said, if you want to go out in the ski boat with dad, you've got to learn to swim. Because we were up on the Murray River and big heavy current, she didn't want me drowning. So I, I was swimming lessons every week until I was 10. And then I was good enough to make squad with Rob Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was the head coach at King's Swim Club. Great man, absolute great man. He, he taught me a lot. He, he had some corny dad jokes, but he taught me a lot. It was, it was good times there. I swam in the squads at Kings until I was 13. I progressed from the lower squad to the top squad in, I think, about a year. I went through four squads in a year, which was oh, interesting, being, the, being a oh, 11, 12-year-old kid in a squad with people who were 16, 17. Yeah. That, was, that was a bit interesting and a bit different, I guess. I made my first nationals while I was at Kings. So, and then I was, I think I was the second person ever from Kings to make a national final at national age, which is pretty scary. I think Mel Barth beat me, but we did the same <laughs> event. So that was all right. <laughs> so she did two in a fly. And I think she beat me like two years earlier. And then, yeah, the year, that year I, I, 23, I think it was, what year was it? I think it might've been 2009. I, I made yeah national age tuna fly final. I come last in the final, which wasn't fun. I learned a lesson from that. I didn't I didn't like didn't like coming last because I felt like I held everyone up getting out of the water. <laughs> that was a horrible feeling. That's just this, this the competitiveness in me. That's the way I felt. And then obviously come home. Obviously when I when I was at national, sorry, mum was with me and stuff like that. And I come home and me and mum spoke, or and dad, uh, we spoke about um, <clears throat> whether Kings could take me any further. And we come to the decision that probably not due to the fact that how many sessions we're able to do uh, at other places compared to Kings and stuff like that. So we decided to move to um, uh, Casey Tiger Sharks out in Cranny and Narry Warren in uh, Melbourne, South East Melbourne. It was fun. It was interesting. I went in for a trial swim. It was like a Wednesday, I think it was or something. If there's any Kings people out there, there's a girl called Claudia Davenport who I did the first session with. Uh, Fiona will know who that one, who she is. She was a mentor at Kings. She came along with me. We both trained and we got into the what was called the national squad back then mm-hmm. at Tiger Sharks. That year, I went from I went from PB to PB to PB. Every time I got in the water, I think I PB pretty much. Didn't wow. matter whether it was a local comp in Melbourne, just like a, a natter warning meet or anything, just a small little meet, I would PB whatever I raced, I would PB. I, my tuna fly time when I left Kings was a 2.22 for tuna fly as a 13, 12, 13 year old. By the time Asian Nationals come around the next year as a 14 year old, I went 2.08. 
wow. return of flight. And that's and from the ages of like thirteen to fourteen. So that's a that's a big age. That's a big drop in time for that sort of period of time. Um, that was probably I would personally say one of my favourite years. It was just fun. There was no pressure. I was I guess you could say the underdog because mm. there was because I was coming from a place where there was. When I, when I would race, there was always people better than me. Always mm-hmm. people better. So there was no expectation. It was so free and so amazing to feel that way. I got to nationals and all that kind of stuff with Tiger Sharks as a fourteen as a fourteen year old. And yeah, I come third, which was a big difference from, from last in the in the Turner Fly Final to third in the Turner Fly Final a year later, which was amazing. I made national swim camp for it was like a junior swim camp, and we went away and we trained at Threadbow there which was amazing. Like the food wasn't great, but the actual experience of being away on a team with a group of kids who are also swimmers was insane. Like you got to experience a lot of stuff that you didn't think other swimmers did like you. You didn't know that any, anything outside your club, you didn't know about it. You mm. just assume these kids, yeah, they, they were just who they were. And so training with these people from WA and Queensland, South Australia, all these places, like wow, there really are kids out there like me, just just wanting to make their dream come true. So you did Threadbow. How old were you then? I would. I was probably yeah, fourteen. I met um, Ian Thorpe's old coach, Doug Frost. He was sort of leading the camp, which was awesome. Meeting Doug Frost when he was obviously after his time coaching Ian Thorpe, but he told us a lot of stories about Ian Thorpe and stuff like that, which was absolutely awesome. Hearing some of the insane training stories that you hear from him he he was just an animal when he used to train like absolute animal so it proves hard work really does pay off for all the kids out there that that may not think they might not make it put in the hard work and you will get there yeah and that's awesome that like you got the opportunity to speak to ian thorpe's coach and have him run camp yeah it was it was really cool oh and it was it was a third row slash aos camp so we also got to spend some time at AS and swim in the big pool with all the technology and all that kind of stuff, which was absolutely insane. Oh, like awesome. you, you can go and they get videoed and stuff of you diving and you tumble turns and you're swimming along. Oh, they catch it from so many different angles. It's actually awesome. So from there, you're obviously a really strong butterfly in the age group swimming arena. Yep. You made the Youth Olympics in 2013. Yes, I made the youth, youth, uh, Australian Youth Olympic Festival in 2013. That was pretty cool. We had um, swimmers come over from Canada and a few other countries, which was awesome. I think uh, that was, oh, I think I was about 16 when that happened, hmm. I think. It, it's funny because the Youth Olympic Festival was right around, I think it was about Jan 15, 16, somewhere around there. And as you know, our state age champs were were in the December, December of that. So I didn't have a, a chance to do a good training block. It was a, it was a, a decent training block in there. My strict coach at the time, we, we used to swim Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, no matter what. Like we didn't get any time off. So yeah, we went into that. That that was a bit of fun. A funny story with that. We actually, I think it was on the last night of finals, we got caught on the, in the Sydney traffic because it was in Sydney Olympic Park. Uh-huh. We got caught in Sydney traffic for two hours on our way to the pool. Okay. Everyone did. Every single team did. Whoa. So we're sitting in the bus. It's normally like a 20-minute drive to the pool and we're stuck on the bus for two hours. 
we're just dead bored. We're like, oh my God. That's not what you want before you have to swim a final. No, but it was the last night of finals and they were doing like, and to like celebrate, we all got, we all got to jump in relay. So there was like A, B and C teams and everything like that. Like every, everyone's from that night. So just like main event stuff. It was everyone having fun, but it was just like sitting on a bus for two hours is not fun. And of course it's boiling hot because it's, 30, 35 degrees Sydney weather in January. So mm. that's always fun. <laughs> oh gosh. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Not fun. And then, so you did the youth Olympics in 2013 and then you went to world junior champs that year as well. Yeah. Later in that year at age nationals, I was able to qualify for the world junior champs which was, I think, the third time I'd ever been held. Mm. And a fellow swimmer that I, I used to swim with at Tiger Sharks, Josh Beaver, uh, he made it, I think it was two years before. So it was really cool to obviously not just follow in his footsteps, but show that not just one person from our club can make it, another person following you can make it. So it shows the evolution, I guess you could say, of the club and how it can develop swimmers, and sh- and how we can we can, you can go from just say a local swimmer swimmer to all the way to a, ju- a junior world champs, which mm. was really really cool. And on, with multiple people as well, Josh was had a similar story. He he was just a young kid wanting to have a swim, and he just he worked his way to junior world champs. And so yeah, made that. Um, to make that, I had to uh, obviously win at Asian nationals, and I, I won that year at Asian nationals, which was pretty cool. I won. The, I think I won the on the 200 fly and 200 back. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, at Junior Worlds, I didn't get a chance to swim the 200 backstroke, which sucks because that, that was kind of my event that I just got to have fun with. Yeah. It didn't matter. Or to me, to me it mattered, but I, I didn't put any expectations on myself to win. It was all about PBs, whereas mm-hmm. the 200 fly, I sort of put expectations on myself to win all the time because it was just how I was. I, I sort of felt like I let people down if I, if I lost. It, oh. it was that sad. So I put all that pressure on me to win. Um, obviously, Junior Worlds, I think I got I think I got fifth, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, which is pretty cool. Fifth as a junior, as, as a junior in the world is pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, crazy. I think, sadly, I didn't get to swim the 200 backstroke because it was on the same day. Oh, no. So it was, yeah, but it was funny because the, the 200 fly was like the second last event of of the heats on the last day and the turner back was the, like the second event on the last day in the heats. So I probably could have made finals for turner back show, but they really wanted me to perform in the turner fly. So they, they obviously, and to get another person on the team, they gave it to someone else, which sucks, but it, it, it's also nice knowing the fact that I was able to help someone else make the team as well in that fact, because they were able to come along and have a swim as well. Mm. I mean, as a junior, any experience you can get on racing racing on the international stage is absolutely awesome. Yeah, even if that was your only race, yeah. it's such an amazing experience. Oh, yeah. It was it was in Dubai too. So we got to experience stuff in Dubai and, like, the heat is just oh, out, of, out of this world and stuff like that. We got to experience some pretty cool stuff. I think we went, we went to the aquarium, which has, I think it's the world's largest single glass screen that's in an aquarium. It's humongous it's just <laughs> really huge was that uh, during competition or after 
Um, that was before. We, we, we actually got a chance to have a bit of a, what they call a staging camp yeah. over there to get used to the time zone and stuff like that. So I think we had about a week and a half between it, over there just to settle in <clears throat> before competition starts. Which was which was pretty cool. Got to experience a few things. Obviously, a few things I, I'd like to change in my preparation. I guess I, it was my first ever overseas trip. So for me, it was wow, I'm going overseas. So first mm. time on one of the massive airplanes and all that kind of stuff. So I, I really wish I would have, um, I guess, not peaked my energy so early. Mm-hmm. I feel like by the time I'd finally got to my race day, I feel like I probably was at about. 90% energy, whereas if I had been relaxed and calm and cool and collected and not so excitable, um, I could have been at 100. I probably could have performed a little bit better, but you live and you learn and you what you I can't go back and change anything, so you just got to accept it for what it is. But it was lots of fun. I don't re- I don't regret it. I still love the way, <clears throat> love where we stayed and love the whole opportunity of the whole thing. So. Oh, that's really good. And then the next year in 2014, you were at the Com Games. Yes, that was that was a crazy year. That was a very crazy year because obviously making the Com Games is absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. At at this point in time in my life, I had been with the current coach and current club that I was at at that time. Um, I'd been there for I think about five years. I was still one of the youngest kids in that in the top squad. Because a few restructures had happened, I was one of the youngest kids be- beating all the older kids. And at this point, I'm 17, and these guys are all 23, 24. So, and then obviously my old coach wasn't a very nice man. Um, so that was a, a difficult time for me, as well as obviously a fun time for me as well. So it was hard. It put a lot of strain on my emotion and how I went about things in everyday life. It was tough because on one hand. I do appreciate everything my old coach did for me. He was a, don't get me wrong, he, would, he, he understood how to make a great swimmer. Mm-hmm. He did not understand how to communicate and be a polite person. He was very vindictive and, and what I would call evil in that way. If I, if I screwed up, there would be a punishment. And for any you, you swimmers out, out there listening, uh, doing 10 200s fly on three minutes is quite painful. Mm. Even though, I mean, yes, it is good for your fitness, but it's also not necessarily good if it's not at the right time of your training, mm-hmm. I would say. But it is what it is, which was sad and frustrating. Even though he got me onto the Come Games team, I, I still got bullied a lot. If it was all, uh, whatever happened in the squad, it was always my fault. I made Come Games, try, uh, Commonwealth Games trials, because so obviously have the trial competition to make the team. My turn of fly event was before anyone else's who was expected to make the team. There was mm-hmm. two other boys who were expected to make the team. Um, my event was first, a couple of days before theirs. And um, I'm, I come second in the turn of fly, which was awesome. I, like, I look back on it and I think that's awesome coming second. I, be, being a former professional athlete, I look at it and I critique myself so much on that race. And I just think, if oh, I'd done this or if I'd done that, <laughs> oh... It's frustrating, but I, I still love it. I made the B qualifying time, mm-hmm. which was because on a, in a Com Games year they also have what's called a Pan Pacific Championships, and I didn't. Oh, that was the A qualifying time. I only made the B qualifying time, and um, my coach thought it was a smart. I don't know what he thought, but he um, told me that you're probably not going to make the team. We're not going to celebrate any of it. You only got the B time. You're not good enough. 
Um, so I had, uh, I think it was about six or seven days to, I don't know, stress out, freak out, mm. wonder whether I'm going to make team, I'm going to realise my dream and, and make the Australian swim team or I'm going to not make it and be upset and angry and all this other stress stuff. And home just missing out. Yeah, and it, it sucked because the uh, a couple of days later, the, the two other boys swam. They, they swam two hundred backstroke, and they got onto the Con Games team. They both swam the A time, and they were celebrated. And they put, everything was put on social media and stuff like that. No, uh, nothing was spoken about me. Not not trying to be selfish or anything like that, but there wasn't even like when I got when the team got announced and I was a part of it. There wasn't even oh well done or anything like that. It, it was so. I don't know, mean, like, or I felt mistreated because mm-hmm. there, there was nothing like, sorry, I shouldn't have treated you that way or anything like that. It was very, it was very poor. Um, but I ended up making the team, which was awesome. As you can see, the mood swings I must have been having then was up and down like a crazy, mm. which, which wasn't fun. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, then I think it was oh, the Com Games were then in, um, well, sorry, the trials were in April and the Com Games were in the August, I think, of 2014. It was 2014 in, in Glasgow. I yeah, in Scotland. That was awesome. Absolutely awesome. We did a staging camp in Manchester. Mm-hmm. I made friends with people like James Magnuson, mm-hmm. um, the late, great Kenny Toe. He is an absolute legend of a person and so I miss him so much. Matt Abood, I think, was there. Who else was there? Uh, there was a few others. Uh, I made really good, good friends with them. Um, we actually, one of our staging camp, we had, a, we had like a free afternoon. So we went sightseeing, I guess you could say. We went and saw the Manchester United soccer ground, oh, cool. Old Trafford. If any soccer, soccer fans listening might be listening, yeah, we, we went there. That was absolutely awesome. I highly recommend anyone get the opportunity, go have a look. We are actually able to go, get out on the ground and have a, have a look and imagine what it was like for the soccer players running that. That was, that was insane. So that's one experience that I'll never forget, and I don't think I'll ever get that kind of experience ever again. Mm. But it is—that's, I guess, what you get when when you when you get those kind of opportunities. You got to appreciate them while they're there. And I, I wish I took more photos. I honestly do. Um, and then, obviously, after our staging camp was, I think, two weeks, we then moved into the village. The village was insane. Like you think of. Oh, like your school basketball hall at that, that, imagine that plus two and that's the size of the dining room. Wow. And they have unlimited food and whatever you want, you can get. We had these little passes and they had uh, like vending machines and stuff like that. And we had a little tag on our pass that you scan it and you got free whatever you want. Wow. Doesn't matter, it was free. Any travel was free, like traveling to and from the venues. Like after we'd finished swimming, we went and saw the athletics and stuff like that. The village security is insanely strict, but it, it was also fun because it was like living in your own little community. You got to live with like people from Jamaica and and all those India and stuff like that. I mean, we as Australians, we're the most popular people overseas. We we had other Indian and Jamaican and all those other and English athletes come up to us. So can we get a photo because you're Australian and all this kind of oh. stuff? It was actually insane. And so I'm probably on someone's wall somewhere in in Jamaica or India thinking, I've got a photo with a famous Australian and I'm like, (laughs) nobody now. But it's it's still pretty cool to think about. That's awesome. Um, 
yeah, it's actually, it's really, really cool. Going back to security for a sec, there was, so imagine the Formula One GP in Melbourne, you know how there's barricades? Mm. So imagine the barricade and then a road and then another barricade and then a road and then another barricade. Oh my gosh. And that, that and so there was like a ro- there was two roads around the village with constant police driving all the time. There was there was just high security and stuff like that. That we, we felt so safe, and they gave us pretty much whatever we wanted, whatever we needed. <clears throat> they gave us, which was really cool. Like so, if we needed um, some massage therapy or something like that, they set up a table and they got that done for us and all that kind of stuff. Going to the actual pool that that was awesome. Seeing it when I guess. It, because obviously the swimmers and everything get there early to warm up. Mm-hmm. Seeing it without the crowd and just looking around and seeing all the seats and stuff like that, that's just, I can't stress enough how awesome it, it is. And the first time you dive into that pool for warm up, you think, holy crap, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Like the, it's just something about it. It makes it feel different. Mm-hmm. And you just get spine tingles and you say, oh my God, I'm going to race the Commonwealth Games. Holy moly. That's incredible. And did they swim clockwise or anti-clockwise over there in the warm-up? Uh, they're opposite to us. I can't, what are we? We're, we're clockwise, aren't we? Yeah, we're clockwise. Yeah, they, yeah, they were anti-clockwise. Oh. But um, what they actually do is they designate certain lanes to certain ways. That's good. So I think, I think there's two lanes. There was two lanes that swam our way and then the rest of them swam the other way, mm-hmm. which wasn't too bad. But we, as, as, as Australian athletes, we, we decided... We're all going to just, we're going to adapt to our surroundings. So we're going to, we're trying to get, a, get used to what we, what, what was it like over there? So try to make it as natural as possible swimming that way. So we didn't feel too out of place, which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. So, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Because when you race, you swim down the middle anyway. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't going to so, affect your race. No, it was more about affecting the rest of our, uh, how we were and, as as I said earlier, the peaks and lows and energy and trying mm. to level it out so you felt as normal as possible. Mm. Well, that's definitely something to learn because I know even when I was swimming, sometimes Rob would make us go clockwise or anti-clockwise. Or yeah. It's a bit of fun off- for the squads, though. Oh, I hated it. I was like, I cracked it. And- it's good for you. It, te- it teaches you to be what they call anti-dextrous. I think anti-dextrous? Oh, where you can sides. do things on both sides of your body. Mm. It's, it's really good for that kind of stuff. So, and I, I mean, it helps you. So, especially backstroke tumble turns, you've got to turn both ways. Mm. So, that, that's, it's really good for that kind of stuff. And even, even your breaststroke and butterfly turns, knowing how to go both ways, it's really good for that because obviously you're on the other side of the lane. So, it's, yeah, it's, it is helpful. Yeah, it's a learning experience. So, oh, definitely. you competed at the Com Games and in the final you got fifth. Is that right? Yes, I got fifth. I, w- I was disappointed with the race. Uh, I, ha- I hate to say it, but I think I, I choked a bit because mm-hmm. I think on my PB I would have got second or third, which, I mean, getting a medal would have been awesome as well as the experience, but you live and you learn. But I, I honestly I wouldn't change it for the world. The whole experience itself was absolutely awesome. My family were at home and they all come around, like my, my, all my relatives come around to my parents' house at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to watch my race, my race in the final, because obviously it was, on, it was on Glasgow time. And so they're around here at 4 a.m. watching me race, <laughs> watching me race. I think it was on like a Thursday or something like that. So they all, a lot of them had to get up and go to work and stuff like that, but they're all here watching me race. They actually videoed it 
from the iPad of them all sitting around my my living room and on the t- I was on the TV swimming and they're all screaming their heads off even though they're on the other side of the world. That that was really awesome. Getting sent sent that video after after it was all all done and I was back at the village. Getting sent that video was absolutely awesome. I really felt like I'd done my family proud. Yeah, and which which is a really good feeling to have. Yeah, and definitely, like, it's tough not having them there, but the fact that they were at home all together watching and supporting you anyway. Yeah. And they all, they all sent messages before the race and stuff like that, which was really nice. Aww, so, brilliant. so where did you go from there? I had my first break. I had a, th- a three, four-week break mm-hmm. for the first time in about five years because obviously being a competitive youngster, um, my coach was tough one i and obviously being a competitive youngster and being in the top squad who were all mostly open swimmers i was expected to not only race age group swimming but open swimming mm-hmm. so i didn't really get a break in 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 a, in a long time so i took four weeks off i think it was it was funny because i got home and the first thing i did was wash all my clothes pack my bags and left for Mildura up where my one of my uncle and aunties own a farm up there <clears throat> and I sat up there for two weeks. I tried to get away from something as, as quick and as far as possible because I, at that point I, I needed a break. Mm. And so, yeah. <clears throat> and so I was up there for two, three weeks, I think. Um, I come back and um, had a meeting with my coach at the time and we laid out a plan. It all seemed, he seemed like he changed a bit, which is nice because obviously – we, we had had some difficult times leading up to Com Games trials and leading up to Com Games. So we really wanted to start on a fresh. And um, he seemed like he was, he was in the same boat. He wanted to change and he wanted things to sort of go back to what they were when I first got there and stuff like that. And I, and I wanted him to change the way he sort of treated me, I guess. Um, and so for any coaches out there, I preach to you, please trust your athlete and give them more, I guess, what you say, more rope to play with, to experiment with how they train and stuff like that, while also getting the work done, but experiment and make sure they hold themselves accountable for how they're, how they're doing. They're not, they're not the 14, 15-year-old kid anymore. They're now the 18-year-old kid that needs to understand that if you, want, if you want to succeed at the highest level, you need to start taking responsibility for yourself. That was all discussed and spoken about and it was all agreed upon. Sadly, I spent I spent probably four or five weeks then going back to training and getting fit again. Um, sadly, none of those things that were discussed about happened. My coach just for some reason decided he didn't... He, he just let me come to training. He didn't speak to me the whole time. I don't think I got spoken to for about three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he didn't care, didn't try to coach me, nothing. And for someone who had just made the common games team, you'd think you'd take a bit more care. Mm. But it is what it is. Nothing nothing you can do about it. I then um, quietly went and I looked at other coaches, other swim clubs, and sort of looked at, okay, if I want to continue my swimming career, where, where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, <clears throat> and at... At that, at that point in my career, I guess, I had to seriously consider where I would go because obviously the coach is a very important role in an athlete's career. 
and not every coach has the criteria and the capability mm-hmm. of coaching someone to the highest level, which, which, which is a tough ask. And I've also got to consider what Sumi Australia, because Sumi Australia obviously pay, pay, played a big role in obviously my career and stuff like that. So they want to make sure I go to the best place. So I, I had to trial a club that I liked and a club that they liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I trialed at my club of choice was MLC at the time. And their club of choice was Nutter Wadding. Mm-hmm. Um, I trialed both in the trial at Nutter Wadding. I got, uh, I think it was, I, think it was I, I just spent a week at both and about the fourth day into the Nutter Wadding one, I got very sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, best way to describe it is they thought I had lymphoma, oh. cancer. So under my right arm, I, it swaddled like a beach ball and it was pretty much, you could pretty much look like a tennis ball under my arm. Mm. And so, being being a professional athlete, I had all these doctors and everything, and I'm straight on the phone as soon as I got home from training. Can you not believe it? I went to morning training and trained with it under oh. my arm. <laughs> that's like that's how committed I was back then to to achieving my goal. I, I was straight on the phone to the doctor uh, and mum. I was on, on the phone to mum on the way home in the car, um, and she's like, I'm coming home from work. We're going straight to the doctor. So, and then I called the doctor. Yep, come straight in. You don't even book an appointment. Just walk straight in. We're seeing you. She looked at it. I went from, uh, I was like a, I went from, she was at in Curranborough. She was a sports doctor that did a lot of places. That day she was at in Curranborough. So I, I drove from my house in Cranny down to Curranborough out in Gippsland, all the way up to the city, got an ultrasound and everything like that. And then back to Curranborough for her to have a look at. In one day, yeah. So I went from Nutter Wadding in Springvale down to, to Cranny, to Curranborough, all the way to the city, get, get the ultrasound, all the way back to Curranborough, back to my house. Um, and then a couple of days later, I went and saw a specialist. She said, oh, we want to take a biopsy. And so I had to go in for, yeah, I had to go in for surgery. They didn't want to do a needle biopsy because they, they weren't guaranteed of a result. Mm-hmm. So they had to go in for surgery, which wasn't fun. I hate, I hate hospitals. I hate the smell. I hate everything about hospitals. Had the surgery. Everything went well. Obviously, World Champs was coming up and in 2015. Um, so I was keen as, be- as a bean to get back in the water and train. And so my pain threshold was quite high and... For someone a week out of surgery wasn't able to wasn't meant to be able to move their arm at all. I was able to put it above my head. Mm. So <laughs> I forced my I, and so a week after I, I went and saw the surgeon. He said, "Yeah, I'm all happy." Took the stitches out, and I got back in the water the next day, I think. Wow! And then within two weeks, I got two forms of golden staff and a waterborne bacteria. Oh no! So, <laughs> let it heal, kids. Let it heal. Don't push yourself. <laughs> too much so i won't tell you any of the gross parts about it but the arm wasn't too happy mm. so i then spent another week in hospital letting it heal and recover on antibiotics and on a drip and then i come out of hospital and i was on these tablets that i couldn't i couldn't exert myself above 50 percent mm-hmm. because what the tablets do they they while you're on them they weaken tendons or they can weaken tendons and there's been athletes known to have tear achilles and stuff like that so they were all very scared when i do a tumble turn and then jump off a wall i'd tear my achilles so i had to be very careful but i slowly made my way back i think i'd had enough of swimming Mm -hmm. and sadly i gave it away which 
I don't know if I regret, but I, <clears throat> I to and fro with the decision to give it away because the person I was back then, I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. My personality was poor. I didn't feel like I treated people very well. But I look back on it now and I miss being that fit. I mean, I used to win school cross country and all that kind of stuff. And my best ever on the school beep test, when we did a proper beep test, it was 14.2. And mm-hmm. I was a swimmer. Swimmers don't run. <laughs> no, but it makes you fit. I know I was in the beep uh, test. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know, it, it. I miss being that fit. And so it sucks, but it, it, it did show me how hard you have to work at life to achieve things. And that, mm-hmm. that I think that that's a good quality to bring out in someone is you actually have to work hard for things. And if you want to achieve things in life, you work hard. It doesn't matter if you're talented or whatever, you work hard, you're going to achieve it. If you want to achieve a goal, work as hard as you possibly can and you will achieve it. So I gave it away, which sort of sucks because a lot of what had to do with it is the fact that I, I ended up going to MLC when, when I left Tiger Sharks um, and the drive to Hawthorne every day wasn't great. I was, I, I, met, I um, did the odometer on my car. It's 44, 44 kilometres there and back from my house to the Hawthorne Aquatic Centre. So I was driving that twice a day. So up, up and back in the mornings and up and back in the afternoons. So work out how many, I think I, think I drove like 120,000 kilometres in one year there. Something silly like that. And so that's a lot of driving and that's a lot of time in a car, which sucks. But what I feel like sort of sucks even more is if I had held on for probably another 12 months at MLC, I would have had the opportunity to move to Mornington Peninsula Flyers, mm. who have a great, great, great coach in Angus Barnes. We call him Gus. I ran into Gus through through lifeguarding at the Frankston Pool. I, after swimming, I went to lifeguarding. <laughs> so I went from swimming to watching kids swim. So that, that was a bit of fun. We were friends back at, at swimming, but we lost contact and we become friends again through, through uh, yeah, Park, which was interesting to say the least. You assume Peach and I was a lifeguard. That was a bit of fun. <laughs> but yeah, Gus started coaching at Mortimer Mitchell Flyers and I actually went back to swimming uh, just casually and he let me train with them once a day and I went back and I was really enjoying it and then life got in the way life mm. got in the way of me continuing to swimming. COVID got in the way and stuff like that. If I could change one thing about my career. I guess it would be him coaching at Flyers when I was leaving Tiger Sharks because I would have gone straight across there because mm. it was close to my house. He's a great, great coach. And I, in, the, in the time that I was there, about eight and nine months, I guess you could say, I learned a lot. He, I, I hope he learned a lot from me. I, I, I want to, because when I went there, I didn't want to be... I didn't want to think about my old career. I wanted to be new and I guess a kid again. And he let me be that, not a kid, but he, he let me enjoy, train, enjoy, yeah, enjoy it. Perfect word. Enjoy it. And I, I, I couldn't thank him enough for that. I'd love to, when everything opens up again, do a couple of sessions a week with him because he, he's a great coach and I can't say enough good qualities about that man. He's just so giving, so caring about young swimmers. And if you're a young coach and you're looking to learn off someone, he 
he's a great, great, great coach to learn from because mm. he just has has this way with with not just older swimmers but younger swimmers as well. He knows how to have fun with them. He has kids of his own, so he he knows where the kids like how kids act and how kids like to have a muck around and stuff like that. So he has a nice balance between having fun and also being serious. So yeah, brilliant. So you've mentioned a few, but what other benefits sport or swimming in particular has provided you as an individual? Uh, I said the hard work, as I said before. The obviously all the the sport that I was involved in, obviously swimming. So I got the opportunity to meet meet a lot of important people, I guess, or be a part of a lot of important people's lives and stuff like that, <clears throat> like doctors that have treated AFL footballers and all that kind of stuff. And at the VIS, all the when the anyone who's a fan of tennis. Uh, whenever the Australian Open comes to town, all the international athletes get to come to the AIS and use their facilities there. So meeting Roger Federer in the hallways of the AIS and stuff like that is absolutely awesome. Um, so oh, it's in- actually insane. And then obviously the opportunity to see the world for free, mm-hmm. I guess. All, all my international trips were all paid for via swimming and I couldn't thank them enough for that. They, they did a great job looking after me and got to see all these places that I'd never dreamt of seeing or especially without not having to pay for them so that was great um and then also being able to obviously when later on when I did a little bit of swimming with flyers a lot of those younger kids were able I was able to be a little bit of a mentor to them and explain to them okay don't I understand the coach Angus is big company today just take it, don't take it easy. Just be aware. Don't do anything silly. There's time and a place for everything. So I was able to be a bit of a, a helping hand to these kids wanting to achieve the best and understanding a coach and a swimmer's relationship or coach and an athlete's relationship because I had been there before with a tough coach. So And everyone can have their ups and down days. So when there was a, a bit of a rough day with Gus, I was able to sort of help these guys through it and say, come on guys, make sure, make sure you're on it. He's watching and keep, and not keep him in a better mood than he would have been if he had to tell the kids off again and yeah. keep the kids happier because they're not being told off all the time. So there's a, there's a bit of help both ways there. And then I guess the structure, not sleeping in until two, three, three in the afternoon or whatever it is, as most teenagers do, the structure that swimming gave me having to be up at four thirty, five o'clock every morning, well, not every, well, weekday mornings, was really good. It stopped stopped getting into bad habits. And obviously, swimming also gave me a lot of insight into health and how the body works and what's good for it and what's bad for it. And so they send you to seminars and all this kind of stuff and seeing they actually, because you're in such a high-performance environment, they actually show you the detriment all the bad kind of stuff gets you like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that so you're you're really mindful coming out of swimming okay i've seen what can happen to people if if they get too involved in that kind of stuff so you can sort of steer clear from it Mm -hmm. and you can sort of you can go okay if i'm gonna have a drink tonight i'm gonna have maybe two or three i'm not gonna have 12 yeah but you can you can really understand understand boundaries i guess you could say yeah oh that's that's amazing and i think swimming is a little bit 
different to some other sports. Like maybe we're biased, but I think, you know, we are really taught that to get up early and to not party and all of these things, whereas sports might lean into that a little bit more. Yeah, well, our sport's tough because we've got to train all the time. Your, foot, your AFL footballers and stuff like that, they're training four, maybe five times a week. We're training 10 times a week. And then you add three gym in there and probably a yoga session. And you've got to add in your massages and your Pilates or whatever, whatever else you need to do to make yourself perform. And so the AFL footballers are training four times a week for two hours each time. And we're training 10 times a week for two hours. The amount of time we're actually at training is a big difference. And obviously, swimming is a, is a young person's sport. A lot, of, a lot of you swimmers are at that high school age. So they're teaching them, okay, if, if you want to perform, you've got to be able to, to structure and make sure your life fits and fit in your homeworks and your schooling as well as your swimming and then going to swim meets, and swim meets on the weekend when all the, normally other kids would be going to parties then cramming their homework in there somewhere. So that that's a really important one, I think, for swimming. And I think gymnastics are very similar to us in that yeah. way as well. They, for any young girls or guys doing gymnastics, they're very, they're very regimented and I think they're very similar to us when it comes to swimming. They're training all the time and working hard and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, that's good. And is there a lesson you've learnt along the way that you want to share? Yeah. Be, be very careful with who you associate yourself with when it comes to swimming and – or not just swimming, but as being in sport. I mean, every, when, when you're on, that, on the TV and stuff like that, everything seems all right. But behind the scenes, there can be a lot going on. So I guess not just – it's hard to say, like, respect people around you and also respect people's privacy as well. Mm. Because obviously, for me, everyone saw me on TV and saw I was swimming. Yeah, everyone's happy for me, but they also didn't know what was going on behind the scenes with my coach and stuff like that. So be careful with what you put out there. Be careful who you have as a coach. <clears throat> Make sure you do a lot of work on looking into how they coach and who they are as a person and stuff like that because, I mean, the way that I think um, suicide and depression is, that can play a big role. I mean, I went, I went through a tough phase there with depression because of my old coach. So just, just be careful, guys, everyone out there, when it comes to people and how you treat people and how people treat you. Yeah. And they say, like, you're some of the five closest people to you. And when you're a high-performance athlete, your coach is one of those five. Yeah, exactly. Be careful the way that you treat people and the way people treat you because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, that's really good advice, Mitch. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's right. Have you been involved in a project where sport has been used to develop the community? Not, I don't know about develop the community, but I was involved in a, uh, when I was working at Park, a few of the uh, boys in the gym were doing uni. Uh, they asked me to ask them a project on me and stuff like that. So I got, I got interviewed for that, which was a bit of fun. So that, I helped them with their uni course. They're all, they're, it's funny because they passed that subject with flying colours. So I think I did well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then obviously you've been mentoring the younger swimmers at Flyers. That was awesome. I actually, 
that was one of the best things I think I've ever done is help those young kids. And like those young kids, I want them to be able to come to anyone older than them with experience, just come up to them and say, teach me, teach me things, learn, mm. be a sponge. I think that's what one thing I wish I had was an older kid to come up to me and just learn off and be a sponge to. I want to give all my knowledge of, of my sport and, and my his, and, and what I did and what worked and what didn't work. I want to give it out and help these kids be better than I ever was. As a lot of people say, records are made to be broken. Mm. And if I can help those kids break my records or break anyone else's records, I'm going to do whatever I can to help the kids. They are the future of our sport. And if without them, everything, all our, the swimming especially would collapse. I mean, I, I would love to get more people involved in it and stuff like that. But yeah, the, oh, I love mentoring the kids. Oh, there, was a, there was one boy called Josh. He, I was lifeguarding and he was there with his dad trying to get a bit of extra practice in on a Sunday. Um, he, he came up to me and said, oh, can you teach me a few things? I said, buddy, I'll, 50, I'll finish in 15 minutes, wait around, and I'll, I'll come in and help you. And I helped him for, a, for about, an, about an hour. I didn't expect anything in return or anything like that. Uh, helped him for about an hour, and his dad gave me 50 bucks. And I did not I, – I, I, I gave it to the kid. <laughs> I said, I don't want it. I don't want it because I just, I just want to help him. And his dad came up and asked me uh, – after he summoned to the change room to get changed, he said, oh, would you mind doing a couple more sessions? I said, yeah, anytime, just shoot us a message and we'll work out something. So we did, a, I think we did two or three more sessions. And then I think two or three weeks later, he went and did a hundred back at a local meet and dropped eight seconds in his hundred backstroke. So the, the dad was happy and his, his son, Josh, was over the moon. So that, that was a really cool feeling because... The next time I saw Josh, he came up and gave me a big hug. So it was the it was the best feeling out of all the stuff I've done with swimming. That feeling there was the best. None of the Commonwealth Games and everything was great, but the best feeling was helping this young kid achieve his goal to do a PB in the hundred backstroke. Mm. So that that was the best. So where do you see the future of sport? That's a hard one. I don't know. With with obviously the COVID and all that kind of stuff, it's it's tough to see. I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to see the government get more involved in sport and put more money into to sport. I think a lot of health benefits come from sport because obviously fitter people are generally healthier people, and I think that would reduce a lot of health costs when it comes to obviously the the government spending money on things. I'd rather them spend money on sport and getting people healthy and fit than them spending money on people at their deathbeds. You can prevent people being at their deathbeds by spending money on sport and getting them involved in the community. And I think it would also help a lot of depression mm-hmm. with when sport is a big one for positive chemicals in the brain. And I don't know about anyone else, but whenever I go to the gym or anything like that, I feel so much better after the gym than I do before the gym because it's just physical exercise and being able to be there among, normally amongst friends and stuff like that. It's just so positive for, the, for your outlook on life. I can't preach it enough how, I, how much I wish the government would get more involved in sport. Um, it's funny, I was looking at sports statistics. In, in 1999, the government poured a heap of money into, the, into sports that were going to the Olympics and stuff like that because they wanted to perform well at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And in Sydney 2000, we did well. But in Greece, 2004... We earned more medals in Greece than we did in Sydney. And that's because the year 
from 999 they spent so much money on sport all that modern technology and that and that um and all the investment paid off because they had a five year five years of that top quality stuff and then it's slowly been dropping away so it is what it is but i think there, there's evidence in in that spending money on a sport can really help i think that sport is a bit of an underrated tool yes very much so like i can't stress it how how much sport in general helps me with like even going to kick the footy with your mates going yeah. to the local basketball court or anything like that it helps so much hmm. so thank you so much for your time today mitch and for sharing your story and your journey i think it's really important to get that message out there oh thank, thanks for having me I, I i was really keen to do it i just hope someone if someone has any questions message me on facebook uh fiona can give you the link if she's going to put it up there, I don't know. Any yeah, any questions? Ask. Uh, I'm not a big scary monster. <laughs> many people think. Yeah, I just want to help people, and obviously, especially with this COVID, I just want to help anything any way possible. Thank you for listening to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you'd like to be on the show, please send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.